0: And you're doing that. I'm like, well, inf- actually, the investing part, I have now brought it down to a point that it only takes me an hour per week, max. Wow. And I'm managing a $7 million
1: portfolio. So you want to make an impact. You're thinking about starting a business, sharing your voice. How do women do it that handle motherhood, family, and still chase after those dreams? We'll listen each week as we dive into the stories of women who know. This is Call Me CEO. Welcome back, everyone, to Call Me CEO. Today, we are talking about how to invest in your future for both yourself and your kids. We're talking about women in finance specifically. And listen, I know when it comes to finances and investing, it can be overwhelming, but today we have an expert Kiana Daniel, who is the CEO and founder of Investiva and her whole perspective is about setting up for success for your kids, for yourself and into the future, no matter what may come. We have a lot of ups and downs with recessions and job loss or different things that happen, but really we can plan for the future with steps we can take right now. So she has also been featured on USA Today Forbes, Business Insider, a six-time best-selling author. I mean, her accolades go on and on. So it is such a pleasure to have you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us about your background and what got you into the world of finance and this passion to help other women do the same.
0: Absolutely. So, I'm actually new to the U.S. Not that new, but kind of new. So, I came just 12 years ago. I didn't know anything about money. Actually, the reason why I came was because I became super fascinated about um, the market crisis. Uh, so, back, a bit, a little bit more background. So, I'm an immigrant. I was born and raised in Iran to a Jewish family. Went to Japan, studied engineering in Japan for seven years had all these money beliefs for starting from, you know, money is evil, which people are greedy, all the good stuff that is quite international, I found out. Uh, In Middle East and in Asia and in America, everybody has the same kind of money beliefs. And that was my belief system as well. Accidentally, 2008, very accidentally, I made money while the markets were crashing. And I had no idea what I did, but I was like, this is way better than engineering. I want that. Yeah.
1: What did you do? Cause I'm like, <laughs> I lost my job in 2008. I was in the mortgage business. <laughs> so I,
0: so now I know what I did but back then. I didn't like one of okay. my friends was a woman. She actually in Japan, this was a thing. Uh, forex trading was a thing. And she's like, I was like the U S dollar, like I didn't understand money, but I understood exchange rates. You know how, when you go abroad mm-hmm. and you have to exchange your U S dollar for their money, So I understood that because I was abroad. So I understood exchanges and I could hear that the U.S. dollar is getting cheaper because of the crash. And I'm like, whoa, if I ever want to convert my Japanese yen to U.S. dollar, maybe now that U.S. dollar is cheaper is a good time. Mm. And then it was kept going lower and I kept talking about it to people. And I was like, how can I like automate this? Keep keeping going lower. What can I do? And they said, oh, you can like we can trade. I'm like, what's trading? They're like. Let me show you. And they did a trade for me on a very super risky, (laughs) high lever trade that I would never advise anybody to do. It was more like gambling. I I (laughs) got lucky, you know, so it was September 2008, the dollar yen pair, I shorted the dollar yen, pair. that's, that's the specific academic Wall Street Pro word for it now, uh, which means I sold, I set to sell my US, my Japanese yen and buy US dollar as it dropped. Anyways,
1: very cool. Hard Which you're cool. young and you could take that risk. Oh, so it's like cool that that worked out for you. That's awesome. I didn't
0: even know about the risk and that's why I'm so passionate about the risk cuz this mm-hmm. could have gone really wrong. Uh, but I did make $10,000 and I'm All like, right. you know, for for a, for a kid right out of college, $10,000 is a lot of money. I'm like, whoa, like I'm not doing the engineering thing anymore. This is so boring. I just pushed the button to <laughs> make $10,000. I want that. So that was my whole obsession about, I was like, what did I even do? So I wanted to find out what I did. And that's how I decided to actually leave Japan, come to America, got a job on Wall Street. Again, as an engineer, it was easy to get a job on Wall Street. And I was just like trying to learn and learn as much as I could. Got fired within a year because, again, I didn't know corporate politics in America. I didn't speak the language. Got fired. And um, it was kind of tough because... You know, you know how sometimes you something bad happens and then a billion other bad things happen. So yeah. that happened to me. I lost my job, couldn't pay for rent, had to, you know live in a house with five cats in exchange for rent, like not rent even, like taking care of five cats to sleep on the couch kind of situation. Um, boyfriend dumped me all the things. Mm. and that's when I became really serious. So I already knew after a year on Wall Street, a lot of the tips and tricks about the wall street you know gimmicks and the schemes because i was working at a broker that now i advise how to kind of beat them at their own game and then i de- i dove deeper into it uh, i started studying to become a certified financial planner and then i realized they also take advantage of people i started yes. for all these things, money manager. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? And then I found out how like, it's such a male dominated field. I mean, I found that out when I was on wall street anyways, mm. but when I started working there, Wolf of wall street came out and I'm like, I don't need this right now. It was such, <laughs> I'm like, like oh I already God. lived
1: that. Yeah. What,
0: what did I get myself into? Uh, but that's what it is. And it was so disturbing to me. So that's when I decided to not go back to corporate job and, Start the Investiva movement. So that was born 2012 on January January 1st. It was like this is my new resolution. I'm going to take things on my own hands, and I'm going to help other women do the same. And it's been just a journey of me learning and then guiding others and learning more. And I've I've been I've been a student and I've been learning, making a bunch of money, and helping others as well. So that's Great. a little bit about what's going on.
1: That's so cool. I love that your story isn't this. And this is I do interviews all the time and what i love the most is when people are honest about that that it's not like oh i had this idea and it was this perfect straight line because it it's not that way you go through ups and downs and oh i learned that and oh i thought this would be the the thing and it's not and i have to reinvent and keep going so what was it i'm curious that got you off that couch literally what was that that moment for you that made you realize you were ready to take it on in a different way and make it really happen
0: so the couch was a moment. I'm like, okay, this is rock bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a couch person really. It's like, I just I do things again. So the easy way would have been to accept another job offer that I did have from mm-hmm. another Street firm. Um, I think for me was the knowing, you know how sometimes you know that I'm built not for corporate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I knew I was taking a risk. But you know, sometimes you have kind of like a calling, and I didn't know the rope. I didn't have a rope map, but I decided to just stick with it. And and then I think for me it wasn't a moment because there were so many times that I wanted to quit. Yeah. But um, and it took me years to really become profitable. Like you know how they say five percent, ninety-five percent of companies go out of business within five years. So mm-hmm. I stick through that. I stuck through not being profitable for eight years. And then I really, it really suddenly boomed. So it hasn't been a moment. It has been like the accumulations of me learning and then adjusting. Like first I was doing day trading and then I realized, and then I lost all of my money again. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I made some money, lost a lot, a lot of money. I wrote a book about day trading and now my name was attached to day trading. And mm. then I lost a lot of money. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a scammer. So it's like imposter syndrome, all the things. So I've pivoted so many times. Uh, by the way, I do not do day trading anymore. Even though if <laughs> okay. you Google my name, the first book that comes up is my day trading book. And it's published by McGraw-Hill. I actually taught that at universities in New York. So a lot of pivots. But I think the beauty of it has been just the growth. Mm-hmm. And not... And and now I, I want more because I thought the moment like I hit, but so like I had a limit, like when I get here, I'm going to retire and I'm not going to do this anymore. And I got there and I was happy for a week and I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> now I want to go to the next level. So that's why I'm continuing to work because yes, I am financially free technically right now. I've retired my, my husband, we're in a dream house,
1: but um, it has now become, it's now turned into this mission. So it's very amazing. cool. You know, and that's something that's really cool too, is that I believe if you're following this passion and you're learning and you're growing and sure, maybe there's a book that you wrote once that is probably still helping people who want to do that that way, but that doesn't mean that you had to stay there, that you can keep growing and reinventing too. So where you are right now, that you're at a place where you can look back and say, now I want to help others. I think that that is such a beautiful space to be in and that it's my favorite kind of person interview, if I'm honest, because it's it's that experience and the path of failure that led to success, where it's like there were so many ups and downs, but you're like, and now I want to give back because you're looking back and and seeing what you've learned. So for those who are listening and are now in this place with you where you're saying, okay, let me help you, where would a woman start who wants to build Wealth, if you're saying, don't do the day trading thing, what is the thing? what are you what are you teaching now?
0: right. So, oh my gosh, now we're diving into my obsession. So <laughs> uh, there are so many ways, obviously to build wealth. And um, what I typically offer the first step, I call it now the wealth diva ecosystem is a little more complicated, but the mm-hmm. first, very first step, especially for moms, especially for households, is starting to not day trade, but giving your money a job to do because we are already super busy, right? And Mm -hmm. people are always asking, how do you do all these things? You have a five-year-old, you have a business, you're writing books, you're on TV all the time and and you're investing and you're doing that. I'm like, well, in fact, the investing part, I have now brought it down to a point that it only takes me an hour per week max and I'm managing a $7 million portfolio. So that is what I teach, and it's called value investing, and it's kind of like the set it and forget it kind of thing. And it is super easy. It is what Wall Street is doing, but they just make it way more complicated than it seems has to be. And that's why this becomes such a big passion for me because, like, my favorite thing in the world is when I do these kind of interviews or when I teach my members, the members in our uh, in the community, and they have a light bulb moment. Like, oh! That's what investing is. I'm like, yeah, it's not that hard. It's like, we're good at it. So this is what it is. Um,
1: Are you good at, by any chance, like snatching bargains at Black Friday? Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. online. I don't want to go wait in line. I love the computer. I'm just like, let's do this. It's a game. Yeah. Totally. So that's what investing is. I'm so, in. I'm right? in. Tell me how. Tell me how.
0: It's shopping. It's shopping. It's just a difference it's going from a consumer mindset to an investor mindset, but the same kind mm. of strategy. And so it's interesting because like, you know how on the media, everybody's talking about, oh my gosh, recession is coming. Everything's going down. This is the equivalent literally of saying, oh my gosh, Black Friday is coming and everything is going to be on sale. like, let's celebrate. Like I want things to be on sale. All right, what are you talking about? So it's just a mindset shift and understanding the majority of things that you see on TV is about clickbaits and is about creating emotions. So what investing really is, it has nothing to do with math. It has nothing to do with anything else. If if you're good at shopping, you're good at investing. It's mainly emotional management. So what we don't want it to become is to become like, you know, when you go and do shopping just to make yourself feel good. We We don't want to make it become that. Mm-hmm. You want it to be strategic shopping. You want it to be a kind of shopping that you know exactly. Okay, I'm it's back to school time, let's say, and I know my kidneys exactly this, this, and this, and that. Let's go find the best place to buy them. And I have a list. So, like the same way you would do smart shopping, you would do value investing. It's the easiest way I can put it. And I love it. If you're I love that. Yeah. If you're a CEO, if you're an entrepreneur already you have an edge. That's why I actually love working with entrepreneurs because as a business owner, you already know what makes businesses work. Like you understand marketing, you understand like what's happening. So you understand that sometimes you could be, you know, not profitable, but you have a very good team. You have this, you have that, you're doing the marketing right. So you get those things. And that gives an edge to that typical Wall Street bro who doesn't understand businesses and they're only looking backwards at numbers that are not no longer even relevant but for people who understand marketing, that's how I do my investing. Like I get majority of my business, of my investing tips from marketing books that I read for my business, um, because I'm like, okay, what makes a good business? Is this kind of marketing? Why is Apple successful? So I, I, I go and study that, and not only apply that to my business, I also apply that to my investments. I'm like, okay, I want to be investing in these kind of companies, and it becomes more, you know, it, it's a business as well. It's like it's, it's really cool. So, it has nothing to do with math. It doesn't take that much time because you can set it and forget it. And if you're good at shopping, you're good at investing.
1: Okay. It's interesting that I I hear what you're saying on that because I will watch commercials or things that are coming up that's getting a lot of buzz and I think to myself and I do investing but if I'm honest, my husband is primarily the person who's doing it. He's a CPA, he's a finance guy. So I kind of just let him do the things. But now that you're talking about it with shopping and paying attention to marketing, which is what I know more about, I'm like, okay, I could, this sounds like something I could really get into and know more about. So if you have someone who is new and maybe is someone that has given it to someone else or not as experienced with it, how much money and i know that this can be relative so take me where you want to take it but what do you think would be a good amount for people to be prepared to invest just starting out like cuz i think sometimes we get the the idea of i can only invest if i have this many tens of thousands of dollars to work with like what is that what is that barrier that you work with and do you see that often like what tell me how to work through that I want to share with everyone that you have an amazing live event coming up, Build Your Wealth Live. Can you tell us about that and what people can do to learn more about it? Absolutely. So this is where I actually work with people to not
0: only build investing and investments and in portfolios. This is where I really go to the nitty gritty of really how I went from broke as a joke with a joke to a seven million dollar. Net worth. I'm not talking about just income. We're talking about net worth. We're talking about portfolio. And so it is not just investing. It is not just making more money. It's so many different things that, and, and it's so approachable that I see that our members are just coming in and like, oh my gosh, how do we not know about this? So it's a five day immersive event that I'm going to be live VIP is obviously where it's at because you're going to be backstage with me one hour extra to do Q&A and I teach you all the things that I did from writing seven books like all these best-selling books to running my business to investing the money how much to invest where to invest and it's going to be we're going to talk about AI Uh, we have some amazing guests there so it is it used to be called actually Build Your Wealth Live it's now Build More Wealth Mm, (laughs) Build More Wealth so it's buildmorewealth.com And um, so it's five days, starts uh, September 11th, actually. Uh, We have brought, we were doing it in the evening. So we thought we really want to empower households and moms and dads. So we're doing it in the evening, six to eight. So if you have like youngsters, you probably want to get a nanny. If they can be chilling for eight, they can eat their dinner while you're doing this. And you can do it as a family too. My nephews always come to these and we break everything down. We answer your questions. And again, the goal of this is generational wealth for your family. So come with your family, like come with the whole household is virtual. Just instead of binge watching Netflix, I think this is going to have a lot more ROI for your future.
1: Absolutely. If you want more information, that is the link below. We'll make sure that you have access to that and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to be there. I hope you'll join me and we'll see you then.
0: Okay. Let's go. Can I please address the first part of your remark, though, first before I sure. get into
1: <laughs> yes, address it all
0: because it is just that's something that I want to like start screaming and banging on the window when somebody says my husband is in charge, and I want to
1: pull my hairs out. Mm-hmm. So, oh, he wants the- me to be more involved. Don't get don't get me wrong. No. Like he's like, is- do it with me. But I'm like, oh, you got it. Like so, the fact that I'm excited to learn more about it because I'm like, I I do I default, and I'm like. Hey, I'm on the kids' sports schedule, and I'm running everyone around. You got this. You know what I mean? It's like it's not top totally. of totally, and yeah. it's not. A, the thing is, like, it's not
0: that men are bad or you should be. But here is the thing: number one, women live longer than men. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sure. break that to you. It's a hard hard, hard fact. It's just it's a truth. The truth: the average age of widowhood. I'm sorry to break this to you. Fifty nine. And as much as our husbands are amazing, our hands aren't doing all the finances. Let me give you an example of Kobe Bryant. When he passed away, along with his daughter, do you think his wife was in the mental space to go and now find out and even want to find out where well, the extension of his wealth is? This works for both broke people and wealthy people. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have money, that's even worse because then the financial advisors if they see that you have no clue, you have no idea how many times I've seen they take an advantage of these people mm-hmm. and it's heartbreaking and you need to prepare now. Yeah. I'm not saying don't like, I do it with my husband. My husband and I, we do collaborative investing because, well, while I'm the investiva, he actually sometimes has really good tips because of his background, like the companies that he works with. He gives me, we talk about what to invest in a lot together. This is about becoming more involved. So for anybody who is listening, not only it is, I think, th- even if that's not an issue, talk about being a role model for your kids. Like yeah. knowing where your money is, is it, this is not like, oh, let's let, let's let divide our chores in the house. This is something that you need to know for your peace of mind. Mm hmm. And so this brings me to your second question. How much should you start with? And this is where real work begins. While investing side of it is actually super easy, the first step that I have our members take is actually understanding how much. You can calculate that. It's very super easy. And you can start with 50 bucks per month. Did you know that if you start investing for your child the moment they're born, only 50 bucks per month, only 50 bucks, And then they continue doing that for 65 years. Together, you've only invested $40,000. But do you know how much that would compound to? $40,000.
1: Probably a million.
0: I mean... Exactly a million. 50 bucks per month. That's why I'm so passionate about getting families involved in this. I Mm -hmm. teach my kids. My daughter is five. I I taught my nephews about this because... Investing long-term, if you don't want to do the day trading risky thing, time is the key factor in it. And the yeah. sooner you start doing it, the easier it is. And you don't have to start with massive amounts of money. Now, of course, if you're starting later, yes, if you now invest, let's say, $5,000 per month, you're going to get to a million-dollar point, I think, is in 11 years, which is still pretty cool. But again, if you don't want to start with a lot, you got to give it time. Right. So... But how much can you actually invest? So this is super interesting because we're like, oh my gosh, I have really low risk tolerance. Oh my gosh, oh yeah, I'm a gambler. I, I don't mind like wasting money. I have a lot of money coming in. And it's fascinating to watch. We have this thing, we call it the risk management toolkit. I give it away for free to anyone who wants to go and download it. It's at investdiva.com for slash masterclass. So you can go there, download the risk management toolkit. And you're gonna actually, I'm gonna walk you through to find out where your money actually is and then this whole risk management thing, it's not how you feel. That is one component of it. Your personality is one part of it. My personality changed. You know, when I was single, ready to mingle, I had higher risk tolerance. I didn't care. Now I have a kid. Like, obviously, my risk, you know, personal, psychological risk tolerance is lower. But another component that contributes to your, how much you should be investing is how wh- where are you at financially, do you have money in your emergency fund? How much money is coming in every month? How much money is going out? So, all of these things, when you put it together, together with your life situation, your personality. So, this risk management toolkit goes not only through your psychology as a person, but also to your where your money's at side of things. Combine it together, and then boom, you're going to have a number. And a lot of people come in who thought they had like super low risk tolerance. And now that they start like, oh my gosh, I didn't, know I actually have a high risk tolerance and vice versa. People are like, oh, don't worry about it. They go and look at the numbers and they find out that they're actually broke. Mm. Like I've had so many entrepreneurial friends who've made like millions of dollars in their business, who thought they were rich. They were a millionaire. Breaking news. You go, you look at your cash flow and balances. And you're like, oopsie, I'm actually ready to file for bankruptcy. I've seen this happen so many times that people just think they know where the money is. And then when they look into it's completely off. They either have a lot more or a lot less. And you have to, it's, it's calculatable. And it's not like, it's not rocket science. I'm not a rocket scientist. I have a phone. You have a phone. It has a calculator. <laughs> yeah. You just go sum the money up <laughs> and see where it is. And then you just, it's like, it's super easy, but people just don't think about doing it. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's the first, be- first step. And then you're going to know. And you're going to decide how much you're going to commit to investing every single month. And you want to make it a habit. You want to automate it. You want to set it and forget it. Because again, you don't want this to be something that takes a lot of your time. You want your money to work for you while you're focusing on your business, while you're focusing on your family. And that's how I do it all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, especially where there can be automation set up and having, I think awareness is a big piece of that, of knowing really what is coming in what's going out. And I think that there can be fear around that and aversion to, well, if I look at it in the eye, what is that going to mean? You know, that there can be a risk in that for people because there are so many cultural or um, fear-based things that go into money. But I think what you're saying about being able to know where it is and where it's going and have it work for you, there is so much power in that. So is there a a place, let's say that someone has not a low or a high, they're kind of in the middle to invest and they're wanting to start dabbling in what is a good place for people to start? Are there, I know you said you like to research companies and different things like that, but what sorts of things do you have people look for if they're somewhere in the middle and wanting to adjust?
0: For any beginner, these are the very simple four steps you want to take. So step number zero was understanding where you are financially Mm -hmm. and realizing, like figuring out how much it is you want to go in. Is it 50 bucks? Is it 500 bucks? Is it $5,000? Whatever it is, doesn't matter doesn't matter, okay? Step number two is now going and selecting what to invest in. And yes, I understand that it can be super overwhelming. There are like thousands and thousands and thousands of companies. Like, what do you invest in? So when I was talking about risk tolerance, I talked about the two components, right? I talked about your personality and your money situation. Mm -hmm. There's actually a third component to it. And it's your confidence about the asset that you invest in. Your confidence about the asset, in the asset you're investing in. Now, it's interesting, a bit of a backstory here. We call ourselves invest divas, right? But the first investment is typically in the thing that we know the most about. Your confidence goes higher the more you know about the thing you're about to invest in. Now, here's a trick question. What or who do you know the most about? Yourself. Yourself.
1: So that's you the first I mean, that takes time. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah.
0: Wherever you go, you're going to be there. Like You are the value asset. So that's why mm-hmm. you want to invest in yourself. You want to go and learn where your money is at. You want to do that. So the first investment is in yourself. Second investment is on anything else you know a lot about. So for me, the second thing that I know a lot about is my own business. So I actually invest on my business first, in my business first. And then the rest of it, I invest in other people's businesses that I also know a lot about. Hmm. So you might be asking, okay, how do you know about other people's businesses? Let's go back to the shopping example. Are you a super fan of any particular company that you're always shopping from them, always buying from them, always consuming their stuff? It could be something that you use every day. It could be something that you buy every day. What are some of the companies that if you go to your credit card statement, you're contributing the most amount to? And as a super fan com- consumer, you probably know a lot about them. You probably know if five years from now, you're still con- going to continue being their supporter. So this is interesting because you wouldn't think like for my daughter, I actually asked her. What are like she's five. And guess what I'm investing for her,
1: in what? Favorite stuff in the world, Disney. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna guess Disney, right? We're like kind of we
0: were debating Netflix now. Disney's coming back up again, you know. Um, Tesla. She has the small Tesla car thing that she oh, she loves, right? And so these are the things, and then you can go and look back into it. So again, as a business owner, for example, what is the company that I use the most that I spend the most of my business amount in?
1: Apple. Yes.
0: I don't or know. Me, actually, Facebook. I spend okay. loads of money on Facebook ads. Mm. And so, you know, and, and this is how you can gauge it. Mm-hmm. So there was a time that as Facebook was going down and the we weren't having results, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to stop, stop my investments in, in, in Meta because clearly they're having problems with Apple. But you said Apple, like we have if you're a super Apple Apple super fan, you know you're gonna be an Apple super fan for the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. They have such great marketing. And then we also have members who are like, no, Apple sucks. We have Android team, so they invest in Google. So it really comes down to you can you only need five of these companies. And I know there are a lot of gurus who say, oh, just go invest in an index fund. I'm extremely against that because an index fund is kind of like, Buying these, you know, bundled fruits at a grocery store, they hide all of these like crappy moldy stuff in the middle and it Mm. appears to be cheaper, but you're not actually selecting. I I love selecting my fruit. And you can select it just by being their consumer. You're already buying from them. You already like that company, by investing in them, you're first of all, supporting them. If things go down in the middle of it, So for example, I invest in Amazon. Amazon hasn't gone really up in the past two years. And I'm not really worrying because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to stop shopping from Amazon every day. Mm -hmm. So I don't worry about it when it dips because I'm like, I'm still a consumer. I asked my friend, are you still buying on Amazon? Yep. It's not going anywhere. Right? Yeah. So these are, again, so this is oversimplifying it, of course, but this is a great start. So you create a list of five companies that you already know and love and want to support. They go with your values. And this gives you, again, more control. Because, again, index funds, I don't know if you have moral values, but I do. Like, there are things that I never want to invest in. There are companies that go against my moral values. There are assets that go against my moral values, like oil. I don't invest in oil. Why? Because, I am mean, I'm from Iran the whole reason the whole region is in war and I'm out of my home country is because of oil. Mm. There's a lot of money to be made there. I don't want a part of that. So I don't invest in it. So you can actually choose where your money is going into.
1: Yeah. I like that. Are you, when you're going into it and getting started, is there a specific app you like to use or yeah. What, tell us about what you prefer and The best way to like, how often do you need to be checking it and knowing, you know, all of those pieces?
0: 100%. So once you have your Alyssa five, then you go and open up an account. Um, The easiest apps out there, one of them is Robinhood. It's just an app that you download. Basically, this is online shopping. This is you not having to go to New York Stock Exchange in person. The broker is a facilitator. These brokers are the Amazons for for shopping, for, for buying stocks. So you can download an app. There are TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Robinhood, Interactive Brokers. Uh, TD Ameritrade is now bought by Charles Schwab, by the way. All great choices, all free, and you can fund them 50 bucks to get started. So you go download the app, connect it to your bank account. And then what I love doing is committing to an amount every single month. It could be 50 bucks per month, 500 bucks, whatever it is that you decided after you went through your risk tolerance And then you automate that part. Mm -hmm. And then, so out of your list of five companies, you're going to find out if they're publicly traded because, well, you might love a company that is not publicly traded. So you can't trade it on these apps, right? So what you do is you go on Google and you search for that company's name and then add stock symbol. So let's say you want to buy Amazon, you say Amazon stock symbol and it pops up. If it doesn't pop up, you know that it's not publicly traded. So unfortunately you can't invest in that directly Publicly, there are other ways to go about it. It's a little bit more sophisticated. We don't want to go there right now. But if it's publicly traded, then you go and search for that stock symbol on your app. And when it pops up, now the easiest way, not optimized, but still better than not investing, is just dollar cost averaging. What, what does that mean? Every month when you fund your account, you just go buy at that at the market price and don't think about it, automate it, just buy every single month. You are going to be way better, even if, it, if it's high, if it's down. This is where people say time in the market is better than timing the market. Mm-hmm. Now, at Investiva, that is that is like bare minimum, right? Then at Investiva, we, 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 we scale it up a notch. Um, I'm a little bit more involved. I manage my account once a month, sometimes twice a month. And you get a little bit more sophisticated and you actually look for bargain sales. Right. So instead of just shopping every single month at this time, you wait for the sales to happen, and there is met, there are methods to do that, and we do that. Mm-hmm. So that can optimize your investments. But about let's say ten percent overall, um, it's better. People, we have had students who have gone, you know, starting super slow and re- reached 100K portfolio. however k these are the awards behind you that we give our students a million dollar portfolio right over here uh, within a year or so just wow. by optimizing it a little bit. If you want to be a little bit more hands-on and again, it's super fun. It's super easy. It's no mumbo jumbo, but like Wall Street, again, makes super um, complicated. If you're good at, finding sales online, you're going to be good at this.
1: Wow. I think that this is really cool. (laughs) I'm like, I wish that this was, it was taught this way in school because I feel like too often it's very much separate of like, this is business marketing and investment is only really taught to people who specialize in that field. And I feel like likening it to shopping, especially for women, that makes it seem so much more approachable of like, Hey, if you're good at some detective work and getting, getting in there and looking at things, you're going to be great at this. So I love that messaging. What I know that this is probably on your website, but what is the investment of getting involved in your course?
0: Uh, I I will say that in, in just a second, but I have to say this. Why do you think they don't teach this at school?
1: they didn't in my high school. I'm talking like high school.
0: Why do you think they don't?
1: Why do I think they don't?
0: Why don't they?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, because that's what I experienced. Um, why don't they? And why do my managers make
0: it super complicated? Why do they make it so overcomplicated?
1: I don't know. Probably to maintain control or to make it seem as though only the super elite in finance can manage that kind of thing. I mean, I'm guessing, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I wish what I actually took a class in high school called adult roles, and it taught basically how to be a functioning adult outside of your like typical standard courses. So we learned about, you know, balancing and insurance and a little bit about investment and relationships and parenting and adult roles and, and, um, you know, all of these different things. It was actually because of that class that I became a teacher able to teach that. And then I went into the bill, the world of mortgage and finance. And I was like, Oh my gosh, and it's interesting because it was because of taking that class in high school that I was like why is this not taught more? I want to teach this someday because it taught me so much. I didn't eventually end up going that route because I ended up becoming an online teacher and sharing things like this. Um so I don't I'll tell know. you why though. I wish more. I mean tell I'll me tell why, why. why. Tell me why.
0: It's because if money managers make it as simple as I do, they're not going to
1: have a job. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a whole system built on people not understanding that not knowing. Yeah, I agree. I think that's true. And especially where you were seeing like financial planners and money managers and And brokers and brokers Brokers that are used to work
0: at literally the reason why they had any profitability was because the retail traders didn't understand what they were doing and they would go. It was like a casino. They go and lose money and the broker mm -hmm. makes money. And they make True. it more, more complicated so that they do lose money, so that they make money. So True. I came in like straightforward.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and too, now that we have the accessibility of our phones, mm-hmm. like that that's changed the game. Because I feel like before that it it probably was more that you needed that broker, that someone in between, someone to negotiate these deals and making the calls or whatever. I mean, I that's something that is is very the old way of doing things, I think, like you were saying on Wall Street and everything, but now with access to our phones and access to learning, why not? You know, I think that that's so empowering.
0: 100%. And so and to answer your question, where I teach this for free, uh, it's a 90-minute masterclass. You can achieve achieve all of these. You can uh, you can go, I kind of explained a little bit in more details, all these steps that I just talked to you guys about. Mm-hmm. And you can also download that pre-risk management toolkit. Um, so it's at investdiva.com for slash masterclass. Of course, if you want to work further with us, we do offer other services, but this is the best place to start because we have so many people who have gone through this masterclass alone and started their investment accounts and they've already made a lot of money. And so that's that's the mission that I'm talking about. And that's why I'm super excited to be here with you guys as well, because my uh, mission for this year We've had 100,000 people already watch that free masterclass I want wow. to get it to a million. So I want 1 million moms watch that masterclass. So I'm just putting it out there. If anybody knows cool. how I can reach a million moms to watch that free masterclass uh, it's, it's life-changing because it just breaks it down. And then if you, want to, if you do want to get a little bit more sophisticated, as I talked about, you can come and join us uh, in our membership groups. But that alone is going to just put you on the right tra- track to start investing.
1: Well, this is fantastic. I feel like this is, I'm so glad that we had this conversation today. There is word. I mean, I had a neighbor just sell their house who's in banking and said, I've seen this happen before. I don't want to go through it again. They just sold a house they built less than two years ago. It's beautiful. It was their dream house. And he said, the writing's on the wall, the recession's coming. So, do you believe that is true? And what are you suggesting people do to prepare for that as well?
0: Absolutely. So I'm not Nostradamus. Everybody's saying a recession is coming from Jamie Dimon to Michael mm-hmm. Burry and everybody's shorting. Uh, one of my friends was hanging out with Jeff Bezos the other day is like, yeah, a recession is going to be soft on New holland. So a recession is coming. It's just a Michael Pat market pattern. It's not nothing like crazy. Like every eight to 12 years, the markets, what goes up, must come down. Mm-hmm. Inevitable. And when that happens, what I say is, Black Friday, baby, let's go shopping. (laughs) So we're super excited about the recession. It's very weird to say, but it's like, that's where the millionaires are born. That was my very first trade. Remember, I didn't know what Mm -hmm. I was doing. Mm -hmm. But in 2008, I made money during the crashing market. Now, I didn't know what I was doing before, but now I do. And it's all about having that list of five companies that you want to buy. Now, I don't know real, this is not real estate advice, this is I mean, it, it could also be a realist advice. So, call up those money in, monies, and know where you want to buy and wait for the market crash But I mean, it's buy low and sell high. Like, that's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. So, recession is a great opportunity to make tons of money and then riding on the next bull run. Now, that being said, though, this recession, again, this personal opinion of mine, hashtag not financial advice. Uh, We already saw a pullback in some sectors, actually, in 2022. So my majority of my investments are actually in tech because of my engineering background. My husband's an engineer. So we have a lot of tech stuff. And tech had a massive blow. Like last year, my portfolio was like bleeding. It was red, 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 red. And I wrote it out. And now I'm like super high. Um, But that sector already saw the crash, in my opinion. There are sectors Mm -hmm. who haven't seen the crash yet. And those are the ones that are going to be impacted this time around. And I think it's going to be sector based. So depending on what you're getting in. So, for example, healthcare didn't really get a lot of pullback last year. So this time around, it might, it might go down. So the sector is going to be um, important. Um, I
1: cover this a lot on my social media too. So just go follow me there. But that's just my opinion over here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I think this is really exciting. I like the idea of getting to know it better rather than fearing it or putting it on a shelf. I've been inspired. I hope for those of you who are listening have felt the same. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment, a rating and review, share this with a friend. Let's help get to a million views of this free masterclass. I think that that's amazing. I mean, why not? And Thank you so much for being on the show today. We'll make sure to put all of the links below so that you can make sure to check it out and we'll see you next time. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Hey, CEOs, thank you so much for spending your time with me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, please let me know in a comment and a five star review. You could have the chance of being a featured review on an upcoming episode. Continue the conversation on Instagram at Call Me CEO Podcast. And remember, You are the boss.